to the Binge Eating Dietitian podcast. I'm Joe. I'm a dietitian and I'm here to smash binge eating. Thank you for your kind feedback on Smash It September. You loved the shorter and more frequent episodes and honestly, I loved creating them for you and I will certainly keep it in mind for the future. But today I am bringing you a very different kind of episode. For the first time in binge eating dietitian podcast history, I'm bringing you an interview with a current VIP client. Matthew is the most wonderful human who has transformed his binge eating from multiple binges and he refers to them as being outer body experiences. Multiple episodes like that every single week to now not binging since we started working together. Matthew has so kindly volunteered to be on the podcast. He is keen to raise awareness about binge eating in men in particular. Most of my listeners are female and most of my VIP clients are female too. But we can't forget that binge eating impacts everyone. No one is immune to this. We can't leave anybody out of this conversation. If you would like to share your experience with binge eating with me or with Matthew after listening to today's episode, please just drop me an email and I'll forward it on to Matthew if you like. You can email me, joe at antidietanswers.com. If this episode has inspired you to take action, I am currently taking on new VIP clients. This is my highest level program to help you stop binge eating where I am in your pocket for 90 days. I'll be there with you during the difficult times and with the wins too, and there will be wins. There's a link in the description of this episode with more information and you can book your discovery call today. We'll meet real soon. I'll talk you through the program and we'll talk about those crucial next steps. All right, enjoy the conversation with Matthew and I will see you next week for some more Smashing Binge Eating. Matthew, thank you so much for being here today. I want to start off with like a quick, I guess, full disclosure of what's what's happening here. Um, so Matthew, you are a current client. We're still working together, actually. We've one session left. And you've been a client right, since yeah. uh, since July, right? Since That's since right, yeah, July. since July. I'm not paying you to be here. I haven't asked you to be here. You actually volunteered. You wanted to share your story on the podcast. Yeah, in, entirely my idea. Entirely my idea, genuinely. And um, no, it's just very important for me to um, have a bit of a voice and also put forward a bit of a voice for, for for men with with these kind of challenges, basically. We talked about this in our first session. You found me through this podcast. Yeah. What brought what brought you to searching for podcasts about binge eating? I was thinking about this uh, yesterday, actually, and I sort of I was racking my brain, and I can't actually remember ever searching for binge eating. I can't I can't remember searching for podcast for help at all um but i think it's probably a factor of there was this period of time for months on end where i would get myself into these cycles of binges whereby the next day would be just such desperation for help right and 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 that felt like a massive blur in hindsight right and so i would imagine during one of those periods of kind of like faint realization that look i need to get some help here um i i stumbled across it so it was in the post binge after yeah the the blur that is yeah tell us a bit about your story how you developed binge eating when it all began yeah well i mean i i think 
it's difficult to know how far to go back. I mean, I've always had a bit of a, um, a kind of strange relationship with food, I guess, and 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 sort of certain, you know, I come from a family where it's uh, always been kind of celebrated as a, as a as a you know a guy particularly uh, how much you can eat and sort of uh, certain there's loads of stories from childhood which would would kind of point to a situation where uh, was that necessarily the most healthy situation possible maybe not um, but definitely definitely in terms of full blown binge eating and um, you know getting to the point of lack of control and 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 you know it really slipping away from me we're talking about three years um it kind of relatively tied into the corona period i think that's when it really kind of got worse with when covid happened and lockdowns came and and sort of i was no longer going to an office and people were seeing me from the neck upwards so <laughs> on zoom and and it was uh that was that was definitely making it worse um but no, it kind of escalated from, from about three years back and and, um, and then got to a point maybe you know, six months ago where life was pretty unpleasant, you know, and pretty unmanageable. So um, that's when I think a lot of people around me, uh, my partner, you know, my family, uh, I think everyone realised I needed help a lot sooner than I perhaps admitted myself. Um, and... I think I tried to avoid any sense of diagnosis or anything like that. I was just sort of head in the sand for a long period of time. Was I the first person that you reached out to or did you do anything else? Actually, no, no. Um, it's sort of when, when I, when I finally kind of realized myself that I needed help because I don't think anyone can probably tell you you need help and, and and actually force you into getting help it's it's very much a case of realizing it yourself and acting on it um but when i realized that i did talk to my partner i talked to my mum actually i have a good relationship with and my mum's a, a nurse and she said to you know go um go to the gp because i'd all I, i'd gained a huge amount of weight during this period as well and wasn't in the best physical health um and so wanted to kind of go get a baseline measure of where I was at and then sort of kind of had faith in NHS to kind of provide all the help I need. Um, but that was unfortunately a little bit misplaced in the sense that, um, you know, they diagnosed me with binge eating disorder. And so I sort of put, put a, put a name to it, if you will, which was in, in a way quite nice closure sort of oddly that, that it sort of, it, it, it sort of, explained what it was to me but it became pretty clear pretty quickly that, that they didn't have the capacity to help because i think their help for eating disorders generally is 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 probably um geared more towards things like anorexia and, and, and less so towards this it seems like a newer newer sort of thing that they're looking at so so yeah you were the person i came to after that because um you know so my experience was that I felt extremely powerless after that, right? I sort of, you know, I had, hadn't been told that this was a massive issue. Uh, I knew it was a massive issue because it was sort of impacting every element of my life. But um, I kind of felt like I didn't have the answer at that point, didn't have a clear route. And as I think with most things around eating and without around nutrition and around anything to do with food, 
they just felt to be so much conflicting information out there, right? And and that was terrifying because you know you're going to what you consider to be the the you know the, the source of truth in in the NHS, and and if if they won't help you uh, or can't help you, I think it's probably fair to say, um, then where do you turn, right? And so that I found that a really tricky process actually, just to sort of um, trying to avoid uh obvious charlatans <laughs> and uh and, and you know try to find uh someone with uh, an answer that was going to be you know evidence-based and also long term right not not a not a quick sticking plaster not a fad well because as you know joe i mean i'm incredibly susceptible uh <laughs> i uh i i think i've tried in my in, during that three years and that's it's important to say like during that three years that it got successfully worse my word i tried every diet under the sun you know the more extreme the better you know we're going everything from raw veganism veganism through to uh you know playing around with a carnivore diet and and paleo and uh, keto like the works right and um always with extreme restriction um like quantified self to the next level where writing everything down my life's a spreadsheet um and so yeah from that perspective yeah i mean when we met i i think we we we've already discussed this but we i, I was following on instagram four thousand five hundred different fitness influencers health and fitness influencers right from your vegan food blogger in sydney through to you know some buff gym god in 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 california who was eating steak all day right and everyone had the answer <laughs> they were all polar opposites right so uh but I, I i at that point buy into absolutely anything uh for a short stint of time have you know a huge amount of quote unquote success on that in terms of like rapid rapid weight loss um but it would never last, right? It would never last. And, and, and increasingly, the periods of time that it was lasting for were getting shorter and shorter, right? And, and, and those periods of all-out binge, like borderline self-harm, right, at that point, were getting longer and longer. So it just that's that's how it felt with the spiraling out of control. I think that's a really good indicator that you're ready for recovery and that you're ready for help when... yeah that that period does become shorter and shorter uh, maybe yeah. even like hours long at the end where you can just restrict for a couple of hours and before you find yourself binging again yeah I was always kind of waiting in a weird way for or maybe subconsciously but for this rock bottom period right and then I realized that it's all rock bottom right like I I had got to the point where I would tell myself the next day that I that was it no more no more fast food ever again done not gonna happen it's the last McDonald's um you know it's paleo it's whole food from tomorrow never again and I'd throw everything out in the house in the bin and we're talking not the bin in my bed my um kitchen we're talking the, the wheelie bin right and I would find myself the next day eating out of that wheelie bin which is just horrific to me now it's most people would find that horrific but um that's kind of where it got to i'd normalized that in some way 
Thank you for being so candid with that yeah. experience. <laughs> what were your binges like? It's the, the best way I can describe it in hindsight was an out of body experience. I mean, it's it, to someone who knows and has been through it, I think they resonate immediately with this. But to someone who hasn't, I think it can be tricky to understand, actually. But it totally feeling like you are not in control. Um, I had periods where I would be driving around drive throughs and fast food joints, kind of not even realizing my own actions you know like driving but not feeling like i was driving it's very hard to explain but um sort of going through motions knowing you know rationalizing an element of my mind saying this is a you're doing it again what are you doing this is we said we'd never do this again and the other side saying "Ah, just once more right (laughs) and uh and it really like internally conflicted very much out of body experience total loss of control and just extreme embarrassment and 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 furtiveness right you know this would only ever happen in complete private on the couple like we're talking a handful of situations where i was quote unquote caught right i you know i was in a public place probably thought thought no one was there and then i run into a colleague or a friend mortified mortified beyond belief in terms of embarrassment right it feels like you've been caught doing something illegal practically right um and and so it was just this um like it felt like a dirty little secret kind of thing that was that was how that was how it felt to me at what point did you talk to those nearest and dearest to you about what you're experiencing they could see it with the weight gain i'm guessing but didn't know the secret behind it I think that's the thing. It, we, I think there were just some very emotionally challenged conversations at one point where, yeah, I think friends and family were kind of obviously massively concerned and trying to understand how I had gained all this weight, right? Because I, I was eating relatively normal amounts around them. Um, I think my mom had probably experienced something with my dad before. I think there's, there were, in hindsight, there was something similar going on there then. So I think she kind of clocked on quite quickly. Um, but my partner was, you know, deeply worried, right? And and I think the thing with that kind of rapid weight gain and, uh, you know, the change in, change in personality entirely, right? So, like, I was a real asked to live with frankly you know in so many different ways and because you end up feeling so out of control and so bad about yourself and the self-esteem has plummeted no one's a nice person to be with in that situation right so so then and 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 also you know hand in hand with like a full-scale retreat from society you know, uh, which was easy during COVID, right? Because we we're all locked down. There was always the excuse you could throw out a lateral flow test and say, oh, "I got it again," right? So I can't make it to that event, or if I know I've got to wear a suit to this, you know, feeling feeling a bit tickly on the throat, I'm going to have to stay home, right? So you engineer your life to retreat from life, and that's a really sad place to be when, uh, you know, before I was a really social guy and uh you know also i think it's worth saying for context that a really sporty guy i'd gone and done 
lots of long races and marathons and stuff. And that was kind of wrapped up in my identity as well. So it was just felt like a massive fall from, from that point. Right. And, um, that, uh, that I think that was really hard for people around me to deal with as well. Talk to me about being a guy and struggling with binge eating as a guy. I'm guessing when you got that diagnosis and you, you looked for support, a lot of it was geared at women. It was. And I think the first thing you hear when, as a guy, you are being told by a GP you've got an eating disorder is embarrassment. Uh, and I think a different kind of embarrassment than what I imagine um, a woman might feel. Again, I'm, I'm conjecting that slightly, but like it doesn't... <laughs> It doesn't feel like a heroic thing to to have, right? You know, you break your arm, you you break your leg, you dislocate your shoulder playing rugby or skydiving or whatever. That feels like this this kind of um, manly thing to be wrong with you, right? That's what's what's wrapped up in our heads, and so just an eating disorder felt like what that doesn't. I, I genuinely had the perception that this just doesn't happen for blokes at all, and obviously massively wrong. Um, but it did feel like everything out there was very geared towards women. And it kind of felt like anyone I did tell about it would judge me. And, and it's not the experience I've had at all, but that was just wrapped up in my own preconceptions. Were you shocked when your GP diagnosed you with that? Were you expecting that when you went into the office that day? Yeah, I, at that point, yes. I mean, at that point, I'd kind of, um, I'd left my job at that point. I, I'd kind of, I had engineered my life to deal with this because I, because I, because I'd realised, right? I'd realised at that point that life can't continue in its current form until I sort this out, um, and I'd realised as well that I can't intellectualize this i can't rationalize this i can't diet my way out of it i can't i can't fix this myself like you i think i said to you the first time we met that i was deeply deeply cynical of your approach right skeptical cynical probably both right um because to me it just made no sense it's like the last thing i would ever think of trying is to take the power out of those foods by letting yourself have anything right i just assumed if you just give me the license to have anything i want i'm going to be eating mcdonald's every single day and just probably only mcdonald's um obviously with some kfc thrown in right that was my that was my mentality i was so skeptical um so yeah i'd, I'd kind of by the time i saw the gp i'd kind of mentally prepared myself for that because i realized i'd run out of options and that's what brought me to you, to be frank, was that at that point, it was like the only thing I actually not tried uh, this, this super counterintuitive approach. It, it looked in my eyes, counterintuitive approach um, that I'd not given the time of day to before. I thought, well, you know, frankly, I need to try something different here. You mentioned that you'd followed like four and a half thousand Instagram yeah. accounts. Was there anything that was available specifically for guys struggling with BED from those four and a half thousand accounts? 
Uh, not that I actively looked at, but I mean the thing that the thing that I probably and again just diet, just fad at the end of the day, just calorie control. But the thing that I probably messed with most from that perspective was like long scale fasting, right? And I would I would do three, four, five day water fasts, and that was. The, the logic behind that for me at the time made so much sense, right? It was the, the concept that, you know, take yourself away from foods that are triggering and, you know, uh, take the sort of abstinence approach that an alcoholic might take. And, uh, you know, that extended into then Huel and just doing weeks on end with just Huel, um, which is a meal replacement shake sort of thing. Um, and, you know, inevitably it didn't work right because because at the end of that period you just want to or you or you, even with the best intentions you end up binging again right because everything you've um taken yourself away from is there and is calling out to you so it, it didn't work but those were the kind of approaches i took most i think it's funny that you mentioned those two in particular because those are the two that always come up why are they so appealing I think there's this element of you want to take the most, again, I'm speaking for myself here, but I've always had this mentality of more is, if something can help you, more of it is better, right? And I and, and you have had this mentality of extremes and told myself this story, this narrative that I can't do mediocrity. Like I can't do uh, moderation is probably a better way, way to say it. Like I, I can't do moderation. I can't do the middle road. I just have to be all in, all out. And I do think a lot of guys maybe share that that mentality. And so if someone comes and offers you a solution to fix something quickly and take the quote unquote nuclear option, you know, uh, that you'll, you, I think, I think maybe guys are more predisposed to take that option, you know, and, and certainly myself speaking again, speak, just speaking for myself, not all guys here, but I find, I found that the sort of the, the visuals, the images of, I mean, clearly following 4,500 influencers, right. But um, the, the, the visuals and the images of people who've done something were just proof, right. It, well, okay, cool. You live that lifestyle. You've done it. It will work for me. And, and and you have no measure of whether that's the truth or not, right? You have no idea of whether Liver King or, you know, whoever is actually what's happened there to make them have that body. But if that's all you're concerned with, and I was at the time, you know, that's 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 the route I think you're going to go down. Were you deeply ingrained in that gym bro culture at any at any point in, in your journey? Yeah, I think it's fair to say probably a bit earlier to be to be honest. I, I, I played a lot of rugby at school and then through university um was always kind of wrapped up in 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 that and very much um yeah it was always a case of protein shakes and, and sort of um trying to pack on muscle and things and that was that was a validation right and i think i think i think that's so wrapped up in 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 most guys my age i'm 33 now i think that kind of period um 
when we were sort of 16 to 24, particularly, was when it was really taking off that sense of, um, you know, validation through size almost. And, and people are sharing I mean, friendship groups of like, yeah, this supplement, you need, you, you have to be taking creatine. If you're not taking creatine, you won't. And, 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 and it just, I think it hardwires a few of those notions quite early. And, and it did for me. Um, and you wrap your self-worth into it massively. And so, uh, but, but I think, I think that's something which is over um, or perhaps underestimated um for guys as well is that the imagery that i know affects women so much is is all there for guys too right the uh, the unrealistic body expectations it's it's there you know at every turn right and um the validation based on on your physique is is there at every turn um i think it's taken thankfully getting a bit older and, and 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 also going through this process to, to have a bit of realization on that front but it, yeah I've wrapped up a lot of my 20s in that concept it's sad to think that there are still so many guys just like you who are still aiming for those really unnatural physiques whether it's the yeah. real slender like the footballer kind of physique or the real beefy buff certainly guys are not immune to it no absolutely not you mentioned you were skeptical of my approach when you first signed up. What was it that kind of clicked for you, or what what was it that that made you say, "No, I, I'm going to try Joe's Joe's approach to this"? Yeah, uh, as I said, I think I think there's an element of it being the last meaningful option that I, I felt I hadn't gone down, um, but also it was a sense that I think you came to it with evidence. You came to it from a position of non-judgment, which I felt I was going to get wherever I turned, to be quite frank. And I think also for me, I mean, we worked together privately during this period and, and, and you know, one-to-one-to-one one, one, rather. I felt I needed that, right? I felt for me personally, I was the kind of person who needed, at the initial stages, I felt I needed accountability. I felt whatever happens, whatever approach I take, having someone who knows what they're doing there at all times, if I need them, was what I needed. That was the kind of clincher for me was to, because um, I, I knew it was so impactful on my life, so detrimental to so many aspects of my life, right from my relationship to my work, to my social life, to my friendships, um, to my sporting, you know, leisure time as well. Everything was suffering. So it kind of felt, okay, if I'm going to do this, I need to do it properly and go all in and all in for me was having one-to-one time where in that early stages there was a little bit of challenge of my mentality as well because because as I said I came to it quite skeptical right so where I think you do well with it is is the sense of not being afraid to from a position of complete non-judgment challenge someone on what they're doing in a, in a sense of you know, questioning and, and 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 sort of thought experiments along the way which i didn't feel i would get from just following a course that was that was my my kind of reasoning and how has your mindset changed since then well um well look it, wholesale is, is probably the fairest way to say it i don't think you're ever fixed i don't think it's binary 
I, I don't think it's a, and I'm okay with that now, which I wouldn't have been two months ago. Um, but I, yeah, there are things I do now that just would be unimaginable for me before, you know, going, uh, you know, going doing food shopping was a challenge for me because I would end up just binging off on the way back from the supermarket doesn't even factor into my life now. You know, I can go and have, if, if I want to a McDonald's meal for lunch and it not ruin my next three days of, of life through binging, um, it's just not on my mind constantly now. And so it's freed up my ability to, yeah, I'm working again. I am, uh, you know, doing a lot of things that I you couldn't do at the time reading again and, and sort of i feel like I have the mental space and the mental capacity to live again a little bit i don't think that's overly melodramatic um so yeah it, it's just opened things up for me again and and it's it's a wholesale change there's no two ways about that some might say oh but you've only just started in july and it's just into October now. Yeah. How can we be sure that this is you? Like, what if next month you're back binging? Yeah, I, th- I think there's there's a couple of elements to that. One, as I said, I don't think it is a, a binary case of right. I'm not. I'm not sitting here saying, "Cool, got this sorted. I'm I'm cured." <laughs> that's not. That's not it. I just have a different mindset that I know I can go back to now. Like, so if 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 the worst came to worst, and, and I, got, I think I've been tested pretty heavily over the last couple of months. I've had some things that would have knocked me off massively. But if I'm tested in the future and, and you know the worst comes to the worst and I do end up binging again, I don't think, I don't feel like it would knock me off uh, course back to square one, right? Uh, and, and so that's a big thing. And I think also, um, you know, the, the process was easier than I expected to be quite frank i'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's easy but i thought i had this notion that i would have to tear myself apart for this whereas actually it's quite simplistic in some senses right it's not this it's i, I don't want to i don't want to knock you on this one joe but like elements of it are not rocket science right it's it just needs someone to um hold your hand a little bit at the start and push you towards something that I think a lot of people do actually find really counterintuitive. Um, so knowing, knowing that I've been through that and didn't find you know, it too complex gives me a lot of faith for the future. Yeah. You know, I, I remember our discovery call that we had together. I don't, I don't want to work with somebody who I can't help. And I knew when we when we met, you are my ideal client. I know that I can help you to change your life here. And the reason why I was so certain is because you had that history of trying every single diet under the sun. You just didn't know how to feed yourself anymore. You did not know what was a normal way to eat. And that's so where sure. my role comes in. Sometimes clients, when I, when I meet in my discovery calls, and they'll say, look, I've had a really, really traumatic past. I've, you know, I've been neglected as a child and my binging stemmed from them. I might say, okay, I can certainly help, but also a therapist or a psychologist could come in useful there too. Even sometimes when I work with clients, they'll then go on to to have therapy. And I think that's great because at least you know while you're doing therapy, how to feed yourself. I think it's such an important point, but it's also, 
it's not to be um, not to be ignored or underestimated how guilty that can make you feel as well, right? Because I'd had this you know wonderful childhood and you know uh, loving parents, uh, lots of privilege. You know, I had a really really good upbringing. I haven't had you know. I haven't had a huge amount go wrong in my life other than the normal grief that people go through with bereavements and things, but nothing, nothing, you know, nothing massively awful has happened to me. And um, so when you're coming at it from that perspective and you're thinking, well, you're always trying to rationalize and you're always trying to think, well, why, what, what, what's causing this? Because this feels like totally irrational uh, behavior. And it felt to me internally, like I was, But I don't, and then that was kind of an internal battle because you're like, what, what the hell's wrong? Because you don't need to cry. What are you crying about? You've had a, you've had every privilege going. So that's that's almost a, like a, a really hard internal conflict in itself because you you feel like you um, you feel almost guilty for, for 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 needing help. Yeah, which is a strange one. Yeah, because what's wrong with your life? Exactly. Like, yeah. how, you know, how can you not? And, and and I think let's not underestimate, like, you know, it feels like such a, when, when you're in the thick of it, you know, the inability to, and I think it really comes down to it, the inability to control what you're putting in your mouth seems like such an infantile thing, right? And, and so it, it's very, it's embarrassing. It can feel embarrassing from an element of, control of the most basic bodily function right of feeding yourself and like that's that's not to be underestimated that can be crippling from a sense of embarrassment uh, and and that's i think where so much of the stigma comes from here and i think it's where so much of um i, I speak for myself here but i'm sure there's probably in a similar situation where you're not reaching out to help because it's just so cripplingly embarrassing yeah, that's why you want to just keep it to yourself, not seek help, not do anything about it, try and deal with it because, yourself. Because I think often you, you, in every other facet of your life, you feel like, well, I, I, I kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm professionally successful. I'm, you know, I, I've had a good education, etc. You know, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be feeling like this. That was the the mentality for me. Was like, why are you feeling like this? Um, but, but once you stop trying to rationalize it, you can get help. Can you believe that you're saying these things now, by the way, compared? No, it's mad. It's mad. Yeah. It's mad because I also remember having um, that first call with you and being super emotional, right? It was, I was in a really, really, really bad place at the time. And uh, I don't think I believed at the time that change could happen so quickly, which sounds corny now, but it's just, I, I really thought i was in for a multi-year kind of um experience to get to where i feel now with food and that's awesome i'm nowhere near the finished article i don't think and i've got you know I'm, i will 100 have challenges ahead there are times which are harder than others for sure but i didn't think it would get to this point so quickly are your friends and family pleased for you to see you doing so well? Yeah, although I think there's an interesting point there as well, because, you know, it is so wild, wildly misunderstood, this, that by, by, by almost everyone, that, 
your friends and family will automatically, unless you make a real effort to educate them as well, will automatically wrap up your success in dealing with your eating down to what you look like, right? And whether you've lost weight, if you're in different clothes or, you know, and that, and, and, and actually educating them to not push you for that and not be like almost that disappointed face when they see you again, you're like, well, you haven't changed size, you know? Um, that's that's a big part of it, actually. You need to, uh, that, that would be um, kind of advice I would have when going through this to if you care about the opinions of someone close to you you need to bring them along with you where you can because um, because they have to understand that it's it's about more than that that's such excellent advice thank you for that what else would you say to somebody who's struggling yeah I don't want to cliche go with the get help because I think it's a given right but it's more a case of how do you get to that help just don't my advice would be don't kid yourself Right. Don't kid yourself into thinking that you can explain it away, solve it yourself. Don't kid yourself into thinking that it's only going to be one more time. It's never one more time. Right. It's just it's just bullshit. And, and just avoid the, the sooner you can realize that, the better. It's hard, easier said than done. Um, but don't fall into the traps that are laid out for us. I think the best thing you can do for yourself before you even get help is just look at the environment around you right like what 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 are you doing what are you seeing who are you following you know what's that picture look like you know to to put some well and bone for me i had a watch that was telling me every step i took every calorie i supposed to be burnt i had a weighing scale i weighed myself every day for seven years right religiously sometimes twice a day i had four thousand five hundred influence in my pocket i'm picking up that instagram account 20 30 40 times a day so uh, i think i think you can actually start to realize a toxic environment even before you get help right and, and i think that can be a first step actually um to, to realizing realizing where you've got to again it's not the same for everyone but i think the overarching advice is you aren't going to be able to do it yourself. You need to get help. Um, and it's not, uh, it's not, it's not a woman's problem. It's not a, it's not, it's, 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 it's guys and girls. It's, yeah, it's, it's everyone, right? It's the same shit that's affecting everyone. It's affecting you. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's no shame in that, but um, you aren't going to be able to fix it on your own. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Matthew. I know that this, I know you've come so far, but it's still a vulnerable time for you. Before we started recording, um, me and Matthew were saying about if there's someone listening to this, and again, like let's let's talk about guys here. If there's a, if there's if you're a guy listening to this and you've been touched by Matthew's story, please let me know. Send me an email. Likewise, if anyone wants to speak to someone, yeah, like for, from my perspective. Uh, a guy who's been through this or going through this, then then I'm more than happy to chat to people if they want to. But I appreciate that's a that's a big step, but it's um it's one I think people should take if they if they need the help. So, what did you think? Does any part of Matthew's story resonate with you too? If you were touched by the conversation today and you would like to share it with me or with Matthew, please don't hesitate to send me that email. 
And if you're ready, you can take that next step towards smashing your binge eating by booking in a discovery call with me today. I'll talk you through my VIP program, how I will be in your pocket for the next 90 days to help you get to that point where you are no longer binging every single day. It's possible. It's doable. And I can't wait to be with you on that journey. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I'll see you soon. Until then, take care of yourself. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not a substitute for individual medical or mental health advice, and it does not constitute a provider-patient relationship.